The Stranger by Albert Camus is a classic of existentialist literature, featuring a disconnected main character who faces consequences for a violent action he committed, even though he evidently has no concept of consequences, violence, or even feelings. If you're my age and you grew up in the States, chances are you read this in your high school English class. And all I can tell you is, it's a really different book to read now. Hello and welcome to The Best Book Ever, the podcast where we get to know interesting people by asking them about their favorite book. I'm your host, Julie Strauss, and joining me today is Shashati Basu, an award-winning activist and journalist, and the host of the How to Be podcast, which looks at mental well-being through reading nonfiction and interviewing authors. Believe it or not, and I still kind of can't believe it, Shashati read The Stranger at the age of 11. And we had a lot of fun talking about why it's relevant now and how it has changed with the times. Hi, Shashati. Welcome to the Best Book Ever podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. I'm really really excited to be here. I am too. This is a book I did not anticipate coming. But before we get to the book we're going to discuss today, will you tell my listeners how many languages you speak? Oh, God. Uh, It's about five now. About Um, five. (laughs) Yeah. So basically, um, I speak like multiple languages, but I started taking a sixth um, as well. So I'm in the process of just kind of, I, I can read bits of it but I'm still not like nowhere near fluent or anything so uh so basically I studied Mandarin at university so um that was my degree so I lived out in China for four years which is why I speak Chinese um then I speak Spanish which I I spent uh quite a few summers in Spain living with families in Spain um so I speak Spanish and then I speak multiple Indian languages because that's kind of the standard. Yeah, India is such a vast country that, you know, you have to have your kind of your mother tongue and then the national language. So Bengali is my mother tongue from northeast India. And then Hindi is the national language of North India. So you can kind of figure out the other languages. So a bit of Punjabi and Urdu from the north as well. But my the the new language I was starting to learn was Arabic. So I was starting to read um, the Arabic script. So yes, it's a work in progress. So uh, trying to be like master the world of languages, but it's great. What what do you read in, and and do you have preferences? Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I'm not gonna lie. Like English is my you know <laughs> preference for sure. Just because it just there's certain nuances, obviously, to language, isn't it? Where mm. you know. you won't necessarily understand certain things like comedy is a really good example uh in different languages because it just doesn't translate um you know someone's humor from france i can attest to this um i just don't get (laughs) i'm just like that is slapstick i just don't find that funny so (laughs) i think that's why you know english is my home for for reading but I do did read a lot of scripts and um, lots of books in different languages. So, you know, when I studied Spanish, I would read a lot of um, uh, Gabriel Garcia Lorca, um, who's a famous playwright, uh, just beautiful, like really beautiful text. Um, then also uh, in Chinese, I would read, um, I, I learned classical Chinese as well. So um, the class, you've got traditional Chinese, which is traditional Chinese script. 
which is why where Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, they still use traditional script. We've got a simplified script, which is in mainland China, which was created so that everyone could read. And then you've got classical script, which is ancient Chinese. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, I just found it fascinating. So basically, you know, I would read like old texts like Confucius and stuff in uh, in ancient Chinese. And um, it was so beautiful because it is so poetic. Um, and each character is a picture in itself. So it's like a picture story. Um, it is absolutely beautiful when you like look at the text in itself. So I remember doing a dissertation on Mulan, which obviously everyone knows as the Disney Disney sure. cartoon, but I was reading the ancient texts and it was just fascinating to read about this warrior hero who existed in China in like dynasties ago. Um, and my granddad was a author. So he wrote everything in Bengali and um, he wrote his biographies in Bengali as well. So we kind of had to be able to read that as well. So, um, yeah, so it, there is something really quite special when you can read something in the original language, for sure. Where do you want to go next with in terms of learning? What What's oh. on your bucket list of languages you still want to learn? Oh, there's, there's too many. I've noticed as I've gotten older, it's gotten harder <laughs> to learn. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, I can feel my brain synapses starting to shut down from learning languages. But I think, you know, it's one of those things. It's all about daily practice. Mm. And you really have have to be very motivated and dedicated to actually doing that because it's not one of those things where you take take a class once a week and that's it It you just can't learn anything that way so yeah if I was to learn another language it would take like daily practice and it would make me actually have to force myself to actually have to do it so that that's the tricky part I think to pivot to books your bio says you read a book a day I'm very intentional on this podcast not to ask people about their reading numbers because in yes don't um, yeah Yeah. I I just think that's not what reading's about we're not in a contest here hundred percent but I do love hearing people because I don't read any I read a lot but I don't read anything close to that So I would love to hear, how do you do this? Oh, it's all about finding different mediums. I'm like, we're we're really lucky. We're living in an age where we get audio books and things like that. So I, I, what I do is I have a mixture of the two. So, you know, I can have an audio book playing in the background whilst I'm doing something else, which is what I do a lot. I put these at like two speeds, like times two and, you know, and my because of the kind of language skills and all the kind of work that I do, which has created this level of analytical brain, very quick brain, it's allowed me to like listen to things really quickly. Um, so I can hear all of it as it at that speed, um, which makes things a lot easier because, you know, something that's say 10 hours long, I can listen to it in like five. Um, so, you know, easily I can already read a book that way but what I do is then I pair that with a kind of a physical book um so you know I'll read like one type of book and then I'll have a physical book which I always prefer anyways to just kind of sit there and absorb that and I'll read that over two days so basically what I do is I have an audio book over two days and a physical book over two days and that way you're reading a book a day day. and so you're obviously also a fast reader when you read with your eyeballs 
Yes. And um, that was, again, a technique that I learned from work, which is having to absorb lots of information very quickly, which is uh, my brain can read in the middle of the page and it just kind of creates the um, the words around it. So it understands it within the context. So you just read in the middle of the page of each page. And so it speeds up. It's like speed reading. Um, I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's a, it's a really strange technique, but it's like the brain is able to, um, it's like it, it builds everything based on context. Like, so they, it will put words in knowing that that would be the logical word that would be next to it. Um, so it can just kind of figure out what it's trying to say. And I can get the context out of it by just reading through the middle of the page. Is this a skill that you learned somehow, or is this just normally how your brain absorbs things? No, no, it it was a skill I learned like after like many years of the way I, what the type of work I was doing, which is more analytical. I was able to kind of read things very quickly because I was having to absorb huge amounts of data very quickly, okay. um, which meant my brain started working on a much faster level. It's really strange. Um, this happens to everyone who starts doing that kind of work. Um, so the brain synapses slightly change in a way. They get rewired. So you are able to absorb like lots of information very, very quickly. What kinds of genres do you normally like to read? Yeah, see, it's a, it's a mix. So basically, because obviously I do run a, a sort of books related podcast that kind of focuses more on nonfiction books, so biographies and, and essays and things like that. So, you know, that there requires a less sort of need to kind of absorb huge amounts of like um, sort of the details and things like that. But the my sort of guilty pleasures, as you could say, are like crime, horror, thrillers, um, and then also different kinds of weird, uh, dark, very dark comedy. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, when I'm reading like literary f- fiction, that's for pleasure. So I will sit there and I'll just absorb it and I, I will just go more slow with it because, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you, as you said, if you, you cannot speed read through a crime a crime novel because you will you will basically not pick up those small hints and details of who the like the killer could be or whatever and you'll basically miss a massive chunk so certain kinds of books you really should read properly but there are other books where you can just if it's like a I don't know like a a, I read a lot of sort of those kind of self-help type books you can just get a lot of information without needing to read all the small details so yeah are there any genres that you won't read that you are just absolutely not your thing yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I am not a romance uh, reader. Uh, I, I'm a cynic uh, at heart. Um, and also certain kinds of comedy. Like, I only really like dark comedy, which says a lot about me. God, geez. I've got yeah. really, uh, I, you know, you should just look at my Netflix. It's just like really true crime documentaries and just a horror. And it's, yeah. And that basically sums up also my reading habits as well. Sometimes I struggle with magical realism as well um, mm. as a logical person um, in that sense. Like I struggle with like fantasy side mm-hmm. of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain kinds of fantasy I grew up with, which grew up reading. Of course, I read Tolkien and all the Harry Potter and things like that. But, you know, which I really enjoyed, especially as a child, you know, just having that. But as an adult, I, I really struggle with some of the fantasy elements. Yeah. 
This episode is sponsored by Lover's Moon by Mark Leslie and Julie Strauss. Hello, Julie Strauss, host of Best Book Ever and Contemporary Romance Author. Hello, Mark Leslie, frequent guest of the show and horror author. Julie, what do you know about werewolves? Absolutely nothing, Mark. I'm scared of everything. What do you know about romance novels? Well, my mom read a ton of romance when I was a kid, and Fabio was always on the cover, so Fabio must be in every romance novel, right? That's exactly right, yes. Mark, do you know what we should do? I do, yeah. Let's say it at the same time, okay? Okay. One, two, three, never speak again. Write a book together. Uh, Yes, that, what you said. We should write a book together. I was thinking we could each write about our favorite things. Yeah, bloody fangs. And making out. Occult shops. Having sex in a bubble bath. Ancient feuds. A marriage proposal in Central Park. A book made of human skin. And friendly honeybees. We've really got something here. You know, I don't see how it could fail. Lover's Moon by Mark Leslie and Julie Strauss is now available everywhere you buy books. Wait, Mark, what was that thing you said earlier? Don't worry about it. Do you remember how you first came across The Stranger? It was on my um, dad's bookshelf uh, for ages. Uh, he, He had it there and he kept telling me about it and saying like, oh, it's really... It's, you know, this is something you need to read. And you have to understand, like, when I grew up, like, my father had a very different attitude of dealing with kids. He never really saw us as kids. So he was talking about quantum theories and, you know, the physics. And and he really liked sort of very dark and sort of philosophical existential books. So that's the kind of books he was giving us to read. Um, And so... You know, I was very young when I read um, The Outsider, so it was really interesting. So I I was maybe in like 11 or 12 years old, um, but there was something that really resonated with me because I was just like, I think I was just going through some kind of weird existential phase myself. Like, you know, it, it that is your like your early teen years, you know, things are changing. And I think I was really sort of questioning like my place in the world at that point. Um, so I was reading lots of even like Sartre, Kafka. Uh, you know, At eleven? See, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I, wow. that's the kind of books we were given. So uh, I was just, but I was really fascinated by it, and I was just like, this is really strange. Like this, how this person is treated for how they behave. It opened up my mind to like how people's attitudes are towards each other. It's really strange, and how you see yourself in the world. Um, real quick, let me ask you, is it called The Outsider in England? It's got two names. So um, I think it, it just depends on the translation, but there is one called The Stranger and one called The Outsider. Okay. But obviously it comes from the, the original French. But, you know, and you know, it's a very old book from, I think it was from 1942. It's a novella. Um, and, and I think that's what's also so profound about it. It's so small. It's a mm. very short book. Can you tell my listeners what it's about first, those who weren't forced to read it in high school? Yes. <laughs> oh, you were, God, you were forced to read it. Jeez, yeah, we it were not AP, forced to read that. AP, high, AP English Lit in high school. We had oh, my God, it. I'm jealous. Jeez, <laughs> I, that's, I would have preferred that for sure. Like, Actually, yeah. I was so lucky. I had this 
you know, those, those, you know, when you have those English teachers who change everything. Yes. hundred percent. It's a strange book. It's like, obviously goes through lots of themes of like philosophy and also absurdism uh, with existentialism. And it kind of follows the character of Messot. I probably butchered that name right there. <laughs> who is like a very indifferent French settler in Algeria and he doesn't seem to participate like within traditional culture or Mediterranean culture over there. And I think uh, very quickly he has like, I think he, ha- he he finds out that his mother has died and he's basically um, goes to this funeral where the other mourners perceive him to be extremely cold and indifferent. And weeks later, um, he then kills a man and he's subsequently tried and sentenced to death. But the, it's all about that trial where basically the jury, the courts, they focus more on his lack of grief for his mother's death than the killing itself. And so that was what the focus is. So it's, it's a quite profound quite a profound book I think especially for 11 year old uh yes (laughs) I can't what what did you think when you were 11 you know I I I, I'd been I'd grown up reading I don't know if you remember this as a kid but like the necklace of raindrops or um these are like you know your typical you know childhood (laughs) books growing up and then I just kind of made this transition really quickly from the necklace of raindrops to uh, the murder. yeah I was like great um so this yes, feels uh, like the logical next step clearly so I was just like is this what adult books are like um so yeah but it was something really strange about it because I was just like I was questioning it as well which was I was sitting there like reading that trial and I was going but why why are they looking at him instead of not the murder itself like what has that got to do with anything? There is something kind of flawed about this kind of system where they see your your behaviour in one way and so the murder of a man in another way. When I was reading about him, he seemed so alone. It was almost like a tragic character. I didn't realise about this theme of existentialism. And then I just kept reading and reading and reading of uh, all these different kinds of books um, on the theme. And I just, each time it just got more and more, like, more profound because I was just like, that's where it all started. Like, that was the first book that just kind of started creating the snowball effect of, I want to read more and I want to read Kafka and I want to read more of those kind of books. And it was it was really quite deep and it just kind of changed my way of thinking of books in general, actually, because I was like, they were always seen as like, oh, literary fiction, oh, that's quite pleasant. You know, oh, these books are really nice. It kind of puts you in a nice mood and things like that. But this was different. It was making me think. So is it a book that you reread frequently since you were 11? Never, never, never. again. Never again. Um, I have a, a, a very strict book policy where if I loved a book so much and it was so profound I never read it again what yeah really yes completely just because I I really worry that it will change my viewpoint of that book which had such a profound effect on me at that time I worry that it would suddenly when I reread it I'll be like what was I thinking and so 
yes, I just don't want that feeling to go away, which is why I don't revisit a lot of countries where I've had the best experiences. Um, <laughs> same thing. Uh, I just like having that memory of the, that sort of time or place in that kind of frozen in that kind of moment like that. Oh my gosh. So even for this conversation, you didn't reread it. No, so I just you have this it. strong a memory of a book you read so young. Mm-hmm. Are you like that with all the books you read where you have this kind of recall or only the yes. ones that are really? Oh, no, no. Only those ones. Only ones that, that basically oh, okay. have like had a real sort of effect on me. Um, I will remember really well. Um, so definitely like Handmaid's Tale and actually one, another one was um, uh, The Wide Sargasso Sea. Mm-hmm. Um which I actually preferred over, shockingly, over Jane Eyre. I know a lot of people are like, oh, that's controversial. But um, (laughs) I just, there was something about it that was just, again, so profound. And it's always like this kind of alone, this character that's always alone. Um, And there's all these themes of like loneliness within these characters. So I think those are the ones that I really kind of remember very, very deeply. And I guess it was just at a time, and I think we talked about it, which is uh, when you're an introvert, it's, it just really sort of resonates with you, these kind of characters. Now it was so, that's interesting because I had such an interesting experience rereading it because I remember in high school, we were a very tight group in our AP lit class. And, you know, everyone took this as, you you know, how teenagers are. (laughs) And we just thought Merceau was badass because he just didn't care about society. (laughs) But uh, I rereading it now at this time of world history was just a completely different experience. And I was very surprised at how bleak. And I didn't look at him as I did when I was a teenager, when I thought he doesn't care about society. I thought he is so beat down because that's what the society does. The society Mm. beats us down and he has been beaten down to the point of numbness. Apathy. Yes. So I, I, I just think it's interesting that you are, I love that you're not going back to it because um, it definitely changed for me. Mm, definitely. This, mm-hmm. It's just so interesting that Merceau reflects, for me, who I am at the time. Yeah, it, it, you're completely right. And I feel that with every, almost every book, and it doesn't matter what kind of genre or book or what, what, you know, whatever, when you read it at a time of your life, that specific time of your life, it just changes every single time. Um, it's it's so amazing. And sometimes I think books just fall into your lap for a reason at the right time. Yeah, because for me, the note I have here is it is so much darker and more misogynistic than I remembered. Yeah. And so, you know, and you think these, and that's, that's why you think these writers are incredible um, to have foreseen a world like this or just to have really understood what what the world was or society was really like. Do you think Merceau thought he was better than everyone? It's weird because I think with Merceau, I think he just didn't care. Mm. Like he he was more apathetic. He, he it's not that he thought he was better than anyone. He was just like I'm a I'm aside from everyone. Yeah, he's like I'm just not like anyone. This isn't I'm not in society anymore. You know I don't belong. I don't belong anywhere. Which is almost scarier. It's scary, right? It's like someone who's got nothing to lose. And, you know, 
Exactly. And those people are the most dangerous people you can mm. find. Uh, you know, they can just do anything. And the thing is, it's not that he saw him above above the law. He didn't see himself as anything. He was just like, I don't exist as a human being. It's, it's, it's sad, isn't it? It's like, I think more and more people are starting to feel that way as well. You know, just like, I don't matter. I'm a momentary blip in this universe anything I have no there's no consequences to my actions um and Merceau is very much like that where he's mm. like I've got no there's no consequences to my actions mm. um because it doesn't matter um and I think that's worrying isn't it because that's exactly what's happening well and it again brings me back to sympathy for Merceau because as I was you know you you can almost understand that as a protective reflex, even though he never says, I was abused, so therefore never right now. He never, there's never any justification at all. But in a way, you can see that disconnect as appealing. It would be lovely to not feel anything for yeah. anybody. I mean, it would be lonely and all those things, but it would also be nice to not wake up and cry when you read the newspaper. Yeah. You know, so definitely. in a way, it, it, in a way, he's almost appealing because numbness yeah. sounds glorious right now. Yeah, absolutely. And the, and you're right. The, that's what's so interesting about the novel because it doesn't give you a background. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's really interesting because it leaves you kind of guessing and it leaves you kind of like thinking, does he need a background or does he need to have that, you know? And I know a lot of the time novels will use that as padding, you know, they'll go through the sort of the backdrop backdrop of something happening. But in this case, it makes it so immediate. So it's interesting, isn't it? Because you're just left with this per person in your hand just as it's going, like real time. So in a way, is he advanced for his time that he's living mindfully? Um, because nothing matters really. Or is he in today's parlance, is he a complete sociopath? Is it a spectrum? Is it a spectrum? That's a great mm. question. This is it. Where's the where's the line? <laughs> okay, so um at this point in the podcast, I always ask people what they're reading right now. I guess the question for you is what are you reading today? Because the answer will be different probably tomorrow. <laughs> that is true. That is true. So I'm currently reading, I've got the book here anyways. It's called it's a brand new book called Haramasi. Okay. Which is a, a cover. It is a very pretty cover. So I got that from the publisher, and it's basically a play on words for the word haram, which it means obviously in sort of a lot of Islamic culture, which is like forbid, forbidden or prohibited, and pharm pharmacy, so haramasi. Okay. And it, it's it's really interesting because it goes through the diaspora of voices from the South Asia, Middle East, and North African diaspora. So these are like essays, essentially, um, of a is a collection of just like going through different kind of uh, ideology, like ideas such as like. Um, visibility, invisibility, love, strength, and race, and uh, just like it paints a picture of how it's, what it's like to live as a fractured person, both in the UK and also back at home. So yeah, it's just, it's a brand new book. The book's coming, I think it's just come out, and I'm hoping to speak to this author soon, so I'm looking forward to it, yeah. And what are you listening to? 
Ah, that's a good question. So I just finished uh, Simon Ong's Energize. Um, and um, so Simon Ong is like a very famous coach and he um, wrote a book called Energize, which is all about understanding your energy levels um, in the world of like just trying to cope with life and work and things. Because I, I, for the both of us who have to deal with differing energy levels all the time it's really important to kind of understand that you know trying to put power back into the energy that we have and trying to make most of what we have and you know and you know even in situations where you're like working in really really difficult jobs and stuff like that it's like understand what energy you have left to try and maximize it as much as possible will you tell my listeners about your podcast so it's called the How to Be podcast because it all stemmed from the fact that I was petrified of public speaking and realized that I needed some way of kind of dealing with just various issues like confidence and, and like resilience and perseverance. And then I realized it was, it was a much bigger thing. I was like, this isn't just for me. This is for lots of other people who have to deal with the same things and learning to be an introvert and things like that and navigating this like the world when it's one way and you're trying to sort of manage that um and then I realized that there was just so much we can do and learn from the books that we're reading um so I, I what I do is I look at like two to three books a week I mean sorry now every other week but um and I interviewed the authors uh so we get like a much more widened sort of knowledge from for the subjects and um so you know we covered everything from like how to be sad. So I spoke to Helen Russell, who wrote the book, How to Be Sad. And she actually wrote the book, uh, The Year of Living Danishly, which is a very famous book then. And title. I love it is so such much. a cute town. She actually lives in Denmark because uh, it's, uh, it's supposed to be the happiest place in the world. This and is what they tell us. This is what they tell us. So, <laughs> And then I also spoke to um, Pura Nobel, who is a power lifter, and she wrote the book, book stronger she's also a very she's award-winning journalist she became a power lifter after her husband actually took his own life um it was quite sad he was a, a secret addict and she found that her she found power in power lifting and she writes wrote an entire book about women's physical strength it was so inspiring I was just like this just like makes me feel so warm and giddy inside honestly because I was just like we never hear about it. We never hear about women's physical strength. And it is just like incredible. So I did a whole like episode on like women's physical strength. And I heard from lots of women's voices who were saying, you know, yeah, this is what we do. And this is how we kind of hold ourselves. And it was so fantastic, you know, and that's kind of the idea, which is you picking a subject, you know, every other week and really kind of looking at lots of different voices through books kind of understanding how we can really understand this topic like holistically what a fascinating job you have <laughs> I was just so why not you know I just really enjoy these subjects and I'm sure you do too with all the reading that you do this has been so interesting talking to you I hope you will come back anytime you have a book you want me to read and want to talk to me about this has been really fun me too. I love that. This is great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Will you take a minute and tell my listeners where they can find you and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So my website's on 
howtobe247.com and at howtobe247 on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and everywhere. But the the howtobe, of course, all the places. And the howtobe podcast itself is on all major platforms, and there is also a YouTube channel. So everywhere. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for being with me today. It's really been fun getting to know you. You too, Julie. I really appreciate it. It's been great. Ever since I spoke with Shashati, I've been binging her podcast. And I'm sure you can tell by this brief chat with her that she's a really thoughtful, interesting host. I know you're going to love it. As for the books, I would love to hear what you think about reading and rereading the classics and if they change for you as you grow older. Tell me all about it over on Instagram at Best Book Ever Podcast. Remember, you can find links to all the books we discussed in the show notes or at my website, bestbookeverpodcast.com. And if you have a book you want to tell me about, click on the Be a Guest button on my website or Instagram bio so we can chat. If you enjoyed this episode, do me a solid and leave me a review on whatever podcatcher you use. It's an easy and free way for you to help other people find my work, and I am so, so grateful. Thank you for joining me today, and I will see you at the library.